for Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. This is, Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, it won't be easy to end the spread of COVID-19 until children can be vaccinated against the disease. In order to get to herd immunity without many, many more people dying, we need to vaccinate as many people as possible. And that includes vaccinating our adolescents and our children. Dr. Kauser Talat, who studies vaccines at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, joins me for a look at where we are when it comes to developing COVID-19 vaccines for kids. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. Ending the pandemic will mean vaccinating children against COVID-19, but U.S. regulators still have not authorized a vaccine formula for most kids, says Dr. Kauser Talat from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. She's with me now to discuss why that is and how soon we might expect to see a COVID-19 vaccine available for most children. Dr. Talat, thanks for talking with me. My pleasure. I want to start just by kind of laying out where we are when it comes to COVID-19 vaccinations that have been approved for younger people. I, I know that some of the vaccines that have been authorized Um, and are being administered here in the States and around the world are authorized for younger people, but we still don't have a vaccine for kids, correct? Correct. So right now in the United States, there are two vaccines that are authorized, one um, made by Pfizer and BioNTech um, that has been given emergency youth authorization by the FDA down to age 16, and the other one by Moderna and the NIH that has been authorized to 18 and for 18 and older. So for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, if the 16 or 17-year-old were to qualify for the vaccine based on their public health priority group, whether they be a healthcare worker or living in a group home or some other high-risk condition, then they can get the vaccine this time. Where are these drug developers and researchers when it comes to actually studying these vaccines in kids? My my understanding is that there are some trials that are currently happening and some kind of expected to start soon. Yes. So currently there are um, two trials in adolescents. Um, In the U.S., one of the Pfizer vaccine 
in 12 to 15 year olds and then one in for the Moderna vaccine in 12 and older. And the Pfizer study has completed enrollment. So now they are just um, vaccinating and following the kids in their study. And hopefully we'll have um, some safety and immune response data from that study in the next couple of months. And the Moderna vaccine, I think, is still enrolling, um, but shouldn't be that far behind. And so hopefully within the next few months, we'll have safety and immune response data so that these two vaccines could potentially be authorized down to age 12. Again, they would have to be in the priority groups until the vaccine is more available. So even though the vaccine may be available for adolescents fairly soon, it might be a few more months before we have enough vaccine that we could widely immunize our teenagers. And I want to put this current situation in a little bit of context. Is this normally the way that this goes when it comes to a vaccine being developed? Kind of what we've seen here, vaccines that are first developed for adult populations and then kids. Is this kind of the way that things normally progress? It sort of is. I mean, the reality is most vaccines are developed for kids, right? The majority of vaccines that we get, we get when we're babies and young children. And there's only a few vaccines that we get as adults. And they're not always the same vaccine. So when we are developing a vaccine in children, we do often do a small trial in adults, always do a small trial in adults, just to make sure that the vaccine is safe before we go into children. And we usually will go down by age group into younger and younger children so that we make sure that the vaccine continues to be safe as we go down in age before we get down into babies, which are often the target population for vaccines. For vaccines that we develop for adults, then we don't necessarily have to test in children, for example, the shingles vaccine. But most vaccines that are created for children we do test in adults first before we get into kids. We have seen this kind of sequence, adults getting vaccines developed for them first, I would imagine just because adults are more at risk from COVID-19. Yes, absolutely. So the burden of disease for COVID is far greater in adults than it is in children. The people who are dying from COVID are generally older adults or people, adults with pre-existing conditions. Thankfully, this disease seems to be very mild in the vast majority of children and very few children have died from either COVID or the, the post-COVID complication that's known as multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children. And that's, that's MIS-C. I think people may have heard of that. MIS-C. Yes, exactly. If clinical trials are, are currently happening uh, and more are in the works for these COVID-19 vaccines in kids, talk to me a little bit about how a clinical trial for this younger population might differ from one for adults. So in adults, when we do clinical trials, we just need to get the consent of the adult. And so we spend a lot of time talking to the potential volunteers and make sure that they're okay with participating in the trials. Um, adults are capable of making their own decisions on their behalf for the most part. And so we just have to go to one person. When we're starting to go into pediatric trials, because they're considered a vulnerable population, we have a lot more safety guards and precautions that we have to take. And because they're under the age of being able to give what we would consider to be an informed consent, we have to get consent from one, sometimes all parents, 
depending on the risk of the study. And we also have to get buy-in from the child, um, which is called assent. And we will, in older kids, that assent can be written. So they have to sign a form just like their parents would. Um, In younger children, we can do it verbally. And then in the very young children, obviously, they don't necessarily understand enough to be able to give assent. But we have to make sure that, you know, nobody's forcing a child to participate in the study and that there is a potential benefit to the child. And so we're much more careful with research in children because they are vulnerable. I would imagine that's hard. In general, it's usually very hard. And most parents are um, understandably reluctant to give their kids an experimental product. And so it requires a lot of conversations with parents of potential volunteers before people are willing to um, volunteer in a research study. I think COVID is a little bit different in that we all see this virus around us every day. We all hear about the horrific toll it has taken on our communities. And with the rollout happening in adults first and over 50 million doses now being given to adults and over 40, I believe over 40 million adults now being vaccinated and the vaccines um, appearing to be so safe. I think there's much more of a demand for the vaccines in adolescents and in children. And so I think it's actually going to be easier to enroll these studies because people want to protect their children against this virus and also want to protect their family members who may be at risk if a child were to get infected. And so I think the participation in this these trials will be a lot easier to enroll than in our usual pediatric studies. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? I'm Sam Whitehead talking today with Dr. Kauser Talat. She studies vaccines at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. We're talking about the state of COVID-19 vaccinations for children. I'm really interested in this idea of assent for young kids. I mean, are these conversations that you yourself have had with children? And like, what are those conversations like? So the pediatric trials that I participated in usually um, involve babies, and so they don't, there isn't a conversation. But I have actually participated in studies as the parent of a child. And like I said, depending on the age, you explain the study to the child. You explain why it's important that the study be done, what they're looking for, what the risks and potential benefits to that child are, and you use language that is age-appropriate, And be as honest as you can. If there's a blood draw, you tell them that there will be a blood draw and they will get uh, stuck by a needle, but but it'll only hurt like a pinch and then it will feel better. That's generally how it's done. And for older kids, you can give them something to read as well at a language that they can understand. The speed with which these vaccines for adults have been developed has really been unprecedented. I would wonder your assessment of um, how we're doing with vaccines for kids. I mean, should people expect that the scientific community be further along with COVID-19 vaccinations for children at this point? So I think that with the vaccine trials in the adults, the trials were done incredibly quickly, and it was due to a tremendous mobilization of resources, both human resources as well as a tremendous amount of financial resources. But we didn't cut any safety corners. And I think that's really important to know 
for the pediatric studies, we have to do the same. It is important to make sure that the vaccines continue to remain safe even as we go down in age. And so after the adolescent trial, there'll be a trial in kids over the age of five and potentially under five even. And so it's important to go down in stages. It's important to go slowly and to make sure that at each age, the vaccine remains safe. And so I don't think that anybody is dragging their feet. I think that they are doing their due diligence to make sure that the vaccines remain safe and that they remain immunogenic and also to figure out what dose is needed because as you get into smaller children, you may not need the same dose that adults are getting. So it takes time to determine this, you know, to enroll all the children for a trial, um, even though it's not a, it's not the same scale as we're enrolling the adults. Um, I believe the adolescent trials are enrolling between two and 3,000 children for each of these trials. So that takes time. It takes time to give them two doses of vaccine, it takes time for their immune responses to develop after the second dose of vaccination and for us to be able to look at that data. And so people are, they're moving as, I think the, the studies are moving as quickly as possible, but they need to move carefully as well. What is really at stake here with getting a vaccine that works for children, especially with regards to bringing the pandemic to an end? How is it, how important is it that children get vaccinated to make that happen? Well, as, as um, you know, we've heard in order to stop the transmission of the virus in our communities and really worldwide, we need to have immunity in somewhere between 70 and 85 percent of people. And we can do that through natural infection, but that leads to a tremendous number of deaths. So we just passed the 500,000 death marker in the United States and with only a fraction of our population having gotten natural infection. And so in which is horribly tragic and and unthinkable. But in order to get to herd immunity without many, many more people dying, we need to vaccinate as many people as possible. And that includes vaccinating our adolescents and our children. And so I think that in order to to stop transmission of this virus, we need to be vaccinating kids. We've seen over the course of the pandemic, children have been affected, but certainly not in the same ways that adults have. So is, is vaccinating them so important, understanding that they've not really borne the brunt of, of the pandemic? They haven't borne the brunt and very few kids have gotten super sick and, and even fewer have died. And so thankfully, that hasn't happened. But there have been kids that died. And it's more than usually die every year from influenza. And we vaccinate against influenza. And, you know, one child death is one child death far too many. Um, we, our kids are precious and we can't say that, you know, well, a few of them are going to die. It's not that bad in the rest of them. So I want my kids to be vaccinated. But I think you're right in that because the disease is so much less severe in the vast majority of kids that the risk-benefit ratio changes a little bit. And so the vaccine needs to be even safer than the threshold that we would have for an adult who is at much higher risk of dying from COVID if they were infected. 
We have seen here in Georgia and across the country some pretty notable vaccine hesitancy. Uh, some of the first groups who qualify for vaccination not actually being interested in, in getting it. That makes me wonder about the kind of general vaccine hesitancy we see in the U.S. with some parents not wanting to get their kids vaccinated uh, against you know, diseases like measles. Are those issues going to compound one another when it comes to convincing parents to not only enroll their kids in clinical trials, but to have their kids get vaccinated against COVID-19? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, that's a really big problem, both for parents and adults, in that we live in an age where there's a tremendous amount of misinformation and lots of um, sources of information that aren't necessarily reliable that are saying conflicting things. And so vaccine hesitancy is particularly a problem with these vaccines and this virus because of the the tremendous amounts of mixed messages. And also, um, I think some legitimate concerns that people saying we've never had a vaccine come out this quickly. But I think what's reassuring is now this vaccine's been in over 50 million arms and in the United States and more worldwide, and that we haven't seen any serious safety concerns. And so hopefully, as people see that their friends, their neighbors, their community is starting to be vaccinated and transmission decreases and people can start going back to a more normal life, hopefully that will um, help overcome some of that hesitancy. But it takes a lot of conversations. It takes a lot of dialogue. It takes meeting people where they are and seeing why they're worried about the vaccine and what their concerns are and seeing if it's possible to address some of those concerns. So I think that's it's it's really important to just keep talking about it and keep reporting on the science and letting people make the decisions for themselves based on true and accurate information. What's at stake if that hesitancy isn't overcome? That we won't be able to end this pandemic. That the virus will continue to transmit and it will, but what'll be really sad is that it, there will be pockets of areas where people will be vaccinated and they can go back to a more normal life. And then there'll be pockets of areas where people are particularly vulnerable and where they will continue to suffer the burden of this horrible disease and infection and that, that, that has killed so many. You know, we really need to vaccinate people so that we can end it. It will end eventually but at a great cost if we don't use vaccines to develop good immunity. Dr. Kauser Talat studies vaccines at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Did You Wash Your Hands? is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's where you can also leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary, but when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. 
Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate and thanks.